Hello, this is Charlie. This is Creative Sobriety, episode 20. I wish everybody a wonderful Labor Day weekend. This is an old school episode with just me. We're also testing out a streamlined show format. I hope the podcast is helping you with your struggles with Kratom. I've heard some people say they binge episodes while they're withdrawing. Other people have said that they listen to an episode when they have an urge to use. And a couple of people told me they're listening and using it for inspiration. Someday they hope to be on the show to tell their story. Quick programming note. we got some good news and bad news. First, Krista in August celebrated the year clean from Kratom. So congratulations. She's also stepping away from the show. It proved to be a lot of work, and I tend to agree with her. In coming weeks, we're going to have some other voices joining us to make sure there's a range of perspectives represented beyond just Jacob and I. Today, we're going to feature the second half of the interview with Matthew. I'm very excited to share that with you. And now for Matthew. your withdrawals, was there anything that you found that was particularly helpful? Yeah, absolutely, man. I really, I really dialed in like a routine as I combated them. One of the, the days were pretty easy for me. So I, not easy, but like the nights for me were like game time. Like that was, that, that's when it was so hard for me. During the day, I obviously staying busy. I, I have a family, so I had a lot of stuff that I just had to do. Um, so that helped is just like staying plugged in to like not just sitting on the couch and staring at the wall. That's like did not work for me. I had to keep moving. Um, one thing that really helped too when I got pretty deep into Stoic philosophy is like we have this mistaken belief that like how we feel about doing things determines if we do them. Um, that's a lie. Like we don't, how you feel about doing something doesn't have to have any effect on if you do it or not. Like anytime people are like, I'll, I'll read on the subreddit and be like, yeah, I can't get out of bed. And I'm like, that's not true at all. That if your bed was on fire, you'd get out of it. Now it may be very hard. I'm not saying it's not hard, but that's one thing that really clicked for me when I realized like, how about you just be, again, the suffering is the point. How about you just get up? Do your legs work? Like, can you walk? It's like, well, yeah, it just sucks. And it's like, well, it only sucks, dude. You're, you're alive. That helped a ton during the day. At night, I had a strict routine of like melatonin, super long, scorching bath um, for like an hour. I would just soak like where I could barely get in it. And then right when I'd get out, I would dry off and straight to bed uh, because I, I found that would like buy me like a window of like break from my restless legs um and then what i would do too is that once i would lay down my goal would not be to sleep it would be to rest and so i would put on headphones i would listen to like rain and i would imagine myself i've been to oregon several times i would imagine myself like in a treehouse in oregon and that's all i would do the goal was not to fall asleep it was literally to just like be in my head you're in this treehouse your legs feel a little better you just got out of the bath 
the rain. I had this weird, intense association with music and rain when I was first getting clean that I honestly kind of miss, which is weird, where it just like would give me like a sensation of like the tinglies. So I would like really lean into that where I was just like, I'm just, I'm just here to rest. Um, and instead of being like, I gotta go to sleep, that was just like misery for me. And, uh, I still actually do that almost every night. I take a bath, I lay down, I listen to my rain. It's like become like this ritual for me. And it's like one of my favorite parts today is like that 10 minutes before I fall asleep when I'm just like in my tree house. <laughs> That's what worked for me. Great. Great. Yeah. All, all of us grown men in our hot baths at, for Dude, our yeah. freedom withdrawals. Love it. <laughs> it's hilarious. What support beyond the 12 step fellowship have you put in place to support ongoing abstinence? I'm fortunate enough that when I had that six years, I built like a fortress of people that were in recovery where I don't really, this is what I'll say. I don't really associate with any drug addicts that use drugs. I associate with people that use drugs. I know people that drink and maybe smoke pot or actually I don't know. I don't know if I know anyone that smokes pot, but I know people that drink. They're not drug addicts. That to me is like a huge distinction. Um, I do not. So I, I had this like fortress of people, um, around me with like substantial clean time. Like the two people I spend the most time with have 42 years between them. Like they're like heavy hitters. They know the game and like those are the winners. You know what I mean? So it's like if you surround yourself with those people, like you're already have a huge head start. More than anything, it gives me a lot of perspective too, um, because like the long game is different, man. Kratom groups get so obsessed with the quitting. They like, I feel like they lose sight of like the long game is when it gets real mm. hard. When, when your life gets good, it takes about, I find it takes about two years. Drug addicts are usually pretty industrious. Like we're very good employees when we're clean and like we're just by and large, we're like creative, like we excel at work. And um, about two years, your life will get really good. And that's when it becomes really hard. Like that justification of like, dude, I got all this stuff. Look at me. I'm great. That comes in. I'm, I'm dealing with it right now where it's like I watch it every day. I wake up and I'm like, dude, you are just one bad decision away from just ruining it at all. Like you hang out too long in that bad neighborhood. Dude, mm -hmm. It all falls apart. So I, I'm just I'm really hyper aware of that um, right now. So, yeah, just tons of meetings. Um, I, one thing, too, I, I find about um, I, I'll try not to break traditions and relate this too much to 12-step fellowships, but one thing that bothers me so much is when people will cite academic articles. This is like a this is like a soapbox for me. When people will cite academic articles that say that 12-step fellowships do not work. And the first question I have when I read those is, what constitutes a participant's, the, someone participating in that study, what constitutes their membership? Okay, what does their membership look like? Because this is what I imagine it to be like. They went to AAA meeting. The way they're scraping that data, they're probably scraping it from courts. They're probably scraping it people that are court ordered. They go to a couple of meetings, and yeah, no shit, they're getting high a week later. Like it's like I I equate it to like going like imagine if you knew someone that was like in college, and they like they had this really hard course, and they went to three classes. And then they went and took the final and they bombed. And they were like, dude, that course sucks. They didn't teach me anything. It's like, dude, did you go? Did, 
did were you a member? Did you stay after hours? Did you do your homework? Did you go to the lab? Like, it's not the class's fault, bro. We're flawed. We're falling short here. Um, so I'd like to see the study of somebody that goes to the 90 meetings in 90 days, gets a sponsor, works the steps thoroughly, comes early, stays late, makes friends, makes coffee, cleans the trash. How are they doing? Okay. Those people are so rare. They're so rare and they almost always make it because it's so hard to do that. So it's, it's not the class, dude, you're not studying. You're not putting in the work. The, 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 the syllabus is fine. It's us that is the problem. And again, I'm trying not to break traditions. That probably is, but it, that's just such a soapbox for me. I, I hate when people it, make this an academic problem, dude. It's not a math problem. You're not going to solve it with a study or a paper. It's, there's always going to be the flaw of the human engagement with the thing. Um, so if they want to redo that study with, with people that really take it seriously, I've done it with more than one data point. And those people make it, dude. They make it. But they're just so rare. They're so rare. It's so hard because that's hard. That takes work. You got to carve out time of your day. You got to get vulnerable. You got to call people you don't want to call. You got to hang out with people you don't want to hang out with. That takes so much work and vulnerability. And most of us are willing to put in that work. I find in recovery in the Kratom space, there's three very controversial issues that people care uh, and feel very passionate about. And they like kind of take two camps. So one is Kratom itself. You know, is it a harm reducer? Is it a drug? Is it addictive? Is it, you know, does it do more harm than good? Second is all steps. The third one, and I'll ask you about this, is that, that people get really strong opinions about the use of mat. You said you did Suboxone from probably a much a, a different kind of drug, but what was your experience with Suboxone and any thoughts about the use of it for Kratom? Um, man, I I told you at the beginning of this, I'm an opinionated person. I'm sorry. I get so soapboxy sometimes. Yeah, Matt is, it is such an interesting beast to me because people that interact with me that have like heard my story think that I have like some huge beef with, with Suboxone. Um, because for before creating Suboxone was 100%, like I loved it. If I could have got a hold of it, that's probably what I would have been doing. But to me, it's it's like most things in the American healthcare system, and not in the American healthcare system, in capitalism. And I love capitalism, but there, there, there's problems. And the, the incentives when it comes to Matt are just, they're, they're bastardized on the medical side. If Matt was used like I think it should be used, which is, hey, you got this problem. We're going to put you on this low dose of Suboxone. This is exactly how long you're going to be on it to the day. This is when your dose is going to go down. If you do not abide by this, you cannot come here anymore. Like they, if they built a plan to like get you clean, that it would be great. It would be like sent from the heavens, in my opinion. Um, but that's not what they do. Um, in my experience, and not all doctors are like this. I know some of them do mean well. Dude, mine just wanted to max me out. It was uh, eight, it's 20, 24 milligrams from the jump. Everybody I knew went to this guy. It was so crooked. That version is just, it's dark. It's just another, it's, it's a way for the government to monetize, to pull that money out of the black market and put it into the real economy, in my opinion. Like, it's just dark. It's taking advantage of people. They don't know what they're getting into. Boxing withdrawals are the worst withdrawals I've ever been through easily. So that, that's what really bothers me about it is like, on one hand, 
it, it's great. It's it's magical. It saves lives. It saves IV users' lives. Uh, I think it could have. Um, uh, I think it could have use in all opiates, but but they just don't. They are so rarely use it like that. So that's the the thing I struggle with the most is that like I wish there was more concrete attempts to like get people off of it when addicts use drugs, no matter how they're using them, no matter if they're legal, they work. Like I had somebody say that to me one time and it blew my mind. He's like, do you know why we get addicted to drugs? Because they work. It's like, yeah, dude, you feel, of course you feel great, man. They work. But it's like, here's the problem. Eventually they don't. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. They work great for a little while. Then you got to take a little more and a little more and a little more. And it's just, it, it can't work great forever. It can't. Like, by by the law of conservation of energy, like you're gonna have to take more to get the same effects because your body yeah, will become yeah. accustomed to it. So that that just makes me sad is that like when people it always starts good. It's always yeah. the honeymoon period of a new relationship and it's great and it's gonna be different than last time and you know, then you, it, literally you'll find yourself ten years down the road and you're just all right, now I'm trying to figure this one out, man. And and that just makes me sad. I know people that have been on it for that long and and I see them, yeah. I see what they could be. And, and it just, it, it makes my spirit like sad for them that they don't realize like they could, I believe they could do it. Like, I believe they could, they could make it out um, if they, if they are willing to put in the work. Um, so yeah. there's just, there's a part of it I think could be great. I think the medical community screws it up. And I think that um, there's a honeymoon period that people don't quite realize it is going to come to an end. Um, that's my opinion on it. Any thoughts about capitalism and Kratom? I just really sincerely believe that it should be regulated. I think that's my biggest problem with it is not that it exists. Um, I, I think Mark Twain has that famous quote is like censorship is banning steak because a baby can't eat it. That's really how I feel about it. But we need some steak regulation like Upton Sinclair, the jungle. Like we got to regulate it. That's a, that's a random uh, literature reference for, for the literature nerds yeah. out there. But we need some regulation. Like there, we have no idea what's in this. It's so obviously not a, a dietary supplement. It's just that's what bothers me. And all the kratom bars, which I don't really know anything about, but they seem to be. I hear a lot of people talk about them, and that seems insane to me that they're just dishing those out and not telling people. And I mean, I firmly believe we're going to be in an epidemic of it over the over the next fifteen twenty years. Uh, but I, I really have no problem. Again, I'm the problem. It's not the problem. Yeah. I'm the problem. And so yep. it's just like if people want to do that, that's fine. And I, government regulation does kind of suck generally. So it's like I'm sure there's going to be an aspect of like inflated price and, you know, huge conglomerate companies pushing people out of the market. And that's just the nature of the beast. Um, but where it's at now, it just seems very unacceptable. It seems unacceptable. Um, that it's just viewed as like creatine or like <laughs> BCAAs yeah. and a little kratom. It's like, mm, no, I don't think so. That just, that doesn't fly for me. Yeah. I mean, my biggest problem, it's not, it, it's half the regulation, but there's just this big gaslighting operation to keep it legal, this minimization that it's not a, it's not a drug and there's no withdrawals. You know, it's all user error. <laughs> We're getting on on all the um, controversial issues that we've talked about. How about uh, abstinence versus harm reduction? <laughs> oh man, I mean, I again, I feel like it comes back to that 
I just being being I had experience with illicit street drugs that like could have very easily killed me. Um, I I think there's a huge place for harm reduction. I I think it's just where do you draw the line on what drugs qualify for that? You know what I mean? Like how like, like to me a barrier to entry may be like you're probably going to die if you keep doing it the way you're doing it. So let's try to reduce the harm going on. I, I can get with that. I don't know. I just don't know how big that Venn diagram is of if you need, people need hope. And I just feel like they're not selling that. They're selling this PERMA income for them and just PERMA like, like especially with some of those mat options. This is, this is something you'll hear people say commonly that really, it doesn't make me angry. It makes me genuinely sad. They'll say this. They'll utter the line. I don't even notice it. I don't even feel it. I just, I'm totally normal. And I'm like, if you just, you can't see it. It's like, it's like being in a, in a tinted, uh, it's like being in a colored glass room and you're like, sure, everything out there is red. It's like, no, dude, it's just because you're in the room. If you could step out of the room, you'd see that like, it's, that's not your baseline normal. You're, especially with, with Suboxone, my emotions I would say that all the time. I'd be like, I don't even feel it, dude. This is just, I just feel totally normal. But then when you come off of it, you realize how dead your emotions are. And it's like, you can't clue somebody into that. It's like they're plugged into the matrix. You can't clue them into that until you pull them out. And then they're like, oh my God. Like the best way I can explain it is like, when I was on, I even experienced that with Kratom. When I was on it, I was still a very good dad. I was there. I would take my daughter to the park. I did all of the things good dads do with their children, like exceptional dads. I'm so involved in my daughter's life. The only thing I wasn't there is like emotionally present. Like I'd take her to the park and I'd see her swing and I just wasn't there. And it's like now I go and like I push her and I like watch her. Like I see her having fun and I can feel like the energy and the joy and she looks like me. I just get to have this moment with her. And that moment, I, I even if I had it, it was so deadened by Kratom and, and in my experience by Suboxone. And I, but I couldn't see it until I got out of it. I would swear yeah. to you that, that I was fully there and I was experiencing it and it was great, but it just wasn't. It's just the only problem. There's a, a line that I love that says, um, what are the plausible but untrue reasons you gave for your behavior? Like, I just love that that idea that, like, super plausible. The only problem is it's just not true. Like, that's just, eh. and that's like, that's everything, right? So that's yeah. my experience with it. What is your life like today, Kratom Free? And you just touched on it. Yeah, it's, man, it's been, it's been such a magical journey over the past. And, and I even have, you know, there's stuff I'm, I'm dealing with. I'm, I'm dealing with so much stress in my life right now. Um, but especially finding when I found Stoic philosophy. Um, it, I mean, it completely transformed just how I always, I always um, relate Stoic philosophy as like an operating system. It's like I, I changed my operating system and I got this new one that was like way more effective at like handling the challenges of life. And um, I started to look at, I started to look at challenges and fears as like things that should be sought out instead of like things that should be avoided um, to the point where like I, I truly genuinely believe like the meaning of life is to like engage with challenge. 
whatever that looks like. If that's raising kids, if that's trying to stick to a strict diet, if that's running 26.2 miles, if that's trying to be the best power lifter I could be. Like I've recently gotten really into boxing and I, I mean, I've gotten obsessed with boxing because again, that, that addict, that addict gene is very effective at other, at tackling other things. Um, it can, it can make you exceptional at things. And, um, I, I've always, I'm so scared of boxing. I've never been in a fist fight. And like the first time I went to boxing, I was just so scared. And I'm not talking about like cardio kickboxing. I'm talking about like, Hey, let's fight boxing, you know? And so I found that. And that was like, after I did my, my powerlifting and I did all my running, I was just like, what is the one thing you want to do that scares you so bad? You just will never do it. And for me, that was like boxing. I've always wanted to get into boxing and I've always been way too scared to do it. And just when I, when I changed my OS to be like, find something scary, find something hard, go do it. I was, I dude, I walked in there and I was like, let's go. Like I, I've just, mm-hmm. I've developed this, um, extreme piece about like dying i've always had insane existential dread about like death and i think that's totally common i I would have this recurrent i'm i love the movie titanic it's like one of my favorite movies i love james cameron um aliens terminator 2 like all time and um i've always had this thought of like if i was on the titanic i would try to get off as a guy, I would like be pushing women and children out of the way so I could get on the lifeboat. And I would never tell people that. But every time I'd watch that movie, I'd be like, dude, I would get on those lifeboats. I'm not going down with the ship. And I'm not I'm just too scared. When I discovered stoic philosophy, and I and here's the thing about stoicism is that it's not something you read or learn. It's something you do. And I I, I do it. I do hard things almost every day. Um like I went and just almost killed myself on my lunch break today. It's just what I do. And the version of myself on the other side of that, I remember the day I woke up and I was like, dude, I'll go down with the ship. And it was like the greatest feeling ever where I was just like, I, it reminds me of home, home Alone where he's like, I'm not afraid anymore. It was like that. I'm just like, I have so much peace about like just laying down my life for my family or my wife, just to me, it, I've faced hard things so many times now. I'm just like, let's roll. Let's run it. I'm totally ready. And that's wild for me, dude. I just live my life so scared. And that got kickstarted by, um, by those withdrawals. When those didn't kill me, I was like, I'm going to die. And then I was like, oh, I didn't die. And I was like, I wonder what else I can do that's like, it sucks. And like, maybe I, it won't kill me either. And I just, since then, I've been on this journey. I, like, I ran a half marathon. I ran a full marathon. Um, I've gotten into boxing. I've done powerlifting. I've just done all these things. A lot of them manifest for me physically. Um, but that, that that's just me because I'm not like that. I am creative, symp- sympathetic, empathetic, wallflower at heart. So all that stuff is so out of my comfort zone. Um, so the fact that like I've been able to embrace it is, I mean, it's completely transformed my life. Uh, and it's a really good feeling. There's a great stoic quote that's like, it takes a lifetime to live and it takes a lifetime to learn how to die. That's one thing about stoicism. It's really about like learning how to die, like learning how to like square with that and like not be afraid of yeah. it and, and not waste your life watching Netflix and TikTok it. You know, it's like there's more out there. Um, like get in the arena, dude. When I go and I spar, I'm like, I'm alive. I'm here, dude. I'm not glass. I'm not breakable. Like Helen's, get, I'm getting strong. 
So it's just, it's very, it's very fun. I love it. That's the only good thing about Kratom is it feels like you're going to die when you're withdrawing, but it's the one drug where not putting that stuff in your system is a good thing and it won't kill you actually, uh, unlike alcohol and some other uh, substances. Um, I know it's very subjective, but uh, okay. Three more questions. What is your go-to music when you're having a bad day? I love that one. I'm the biggest Bright Eyes fan. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest when I say like I am like a sad boy, nerd, introvert, but I love Bright Eyes still to this day. I remember I would listen to Bright Eyes when I was in high school and I would be like, I'm going to still listen to this when I get older. I don't care what anybody says. And I'm still, dude, there, there's a really great song, um, Cleanse song, which is actually about getting clean by Bright Eyes. And there's a, there's a line in it that it's just burned into my brain and it's I'm on a detox walk through a Glendale park over sidewalk chalk. Someone wrote in red start over. And I just always, that's always been burned into my mind. Like when I'm, uh, especially when I was withdrawn, I'm like, dude, you're walking through the park, man, just start over. Just, it's okay. Get clean. Just start over, start from square one. So I just, I love bright eyes. They're like far and away. My guiltiest guilty pleasure. Everybody should, listen to Connor Oberst's music. It's so good. At least I, I've heard of them and I'm sure I've heard a couple of their songs on the radio. So I won't have to at least Google them. <laughs> like yeah. like it's, it's, I know they, it's not. They had, um, this is the first day of my life was real popular. I'm trying to think they had one song that was in a lot of commercials, which is funny because Con- Connor Oberst, the writer is like very, you know, angsty team kind of vibe. Uh, but yeah, you'd, you'd recognize some of their most uh, popular songs. And I've heard that lead singer's name too. So my generation's version of Bright Eyes might have been The Cure. <laughs> yes, very much so. 100%. What is your best advice for someone getting ready to quit Kratom? Oh, my best advice. I struggle so much with this just because a lot of just advice in life just depends on what kind of person you are. You know? Yeah. So, so. Some people need um insane encouragement and you you're doing great and it's going to be better and so i feel like a lot of it just depends on that but i i always say i suffered from um like toxic self-care growing up like it was always like my feelings were too validated it was just it, it was too much too many people cared about me i know that seems insane but like i had such a good childhood and it was just like I never, and my dad's pretty typically masculine guy, but he never projected it onto me. He always supported my writing. He always supported video games. Like he was my biggest fan. Whatever you want to do. Again, this this was part of the problem. It was just whatever you want to do. You're awesome. Great. Go do it. Um, So for me, what I needed to hear was, hey, man, lace up your shoes. Quit being a baby. Welcome. Like, why don't you start participating in this thing called life? I needed somebody to say, like, you're going to die. Like, you're going to die. People that just do Kratom, they don't hear that enough. Like, it will kill you. And I'm not talking about Kratom. I'm talking about this, whatever spiritual malady is causing you to seek things outside of yourself to feel whole. That will kill you eventually. How it materializes could be heroin, you know, after your wife leaves you and your kids get taken and you lose your house and your car. Um, I don't know what that looks like, but like the the wages are death, like for real. I know people that have died to this thing, you know. So I feel like that gets lost a lot. Is like I just needed someone to say like you're an idiot. 
get it together, dude. Get it together. So there's that version. And the other version is if you grew up with with trauma and people being mean to you, you probably don't need to hear that. Like you probably need to hear that you're loved, that people care about you and people will miss you if you're gone and that you have so much to offer the world. So it's just, it's hard for me to parse like who needs to hear mm-hmm. what your message and each message is super important for me. I needed somebody to tell me to like grow up, but for other people, you know, dude, it's okay. We, you're not a bad person. You know, you're not a bad person. Just when drug addicts use drugs, they do horrible things. And when they don't do drugs, they generally don't. So it's like just trying to get them to the other side and knowing that like they're not evil, like you're not evil or terminally bad. You're sick. Um, That's really Mm -hmm. what some people need to hear. So it just kind of depends. I really love that. I really appreciate it. Like I said, I struggled a lot um, with if I wanted to do this after I talked to some people that I really respect and I got a wide range of opinions from that is the stupidest thing ever. Uh, you're breaking all the rules to, Hey, those people need outreach. Um, maybe you were put in this place to do this. So it's just like, I'm, I, I'm doing my best, you know what I mean? To, to try to navigate this thing that is both true to my stance that it's not substance. It's the problem. It's me. Um, which I feel like substance-specific groups kind of trample on. And the other version that is this thing, whether we want to talk about the spiritual similarities between all drugs, this thing has been a unique beast for me. I'm just going to admit that. It has. I've been around the block a few times using a lot of different drugs, and this thing was a unique beast for me. And there's part of my spirit that feels like I need to reach out to other people that are while they may have the same spiritual malady that's going to affect them no matter what they're taking to feel whole, for some reason I feel tailored to speak to people that are struggling with this drug specifically. How long that'll last or how I parse that going forward, I don't really know. You know, in 10 years, maybe I look back on this and I'm like, I can't believe I did that. What an idiot I was. But afraid about it. I've talked to people that I respect about it and that's kind of what I decided to do. So um, I just appreciate the platform, honestly. This is all secondhand, but I've heard people learning about Kratom at 12-step meetings and also interacting with people, even like sponsor kind of figures that said that um, Kratom wasn't a real drug. Have you ever had any experiences? I know it's all, like every group is different. But have you had any experiences with those kind of things? Yes, I have. Um, I'm, I'm lucky to be in a place where um, that stuff don't fly as far as like, oh, it's not a real drug or whatever. Like people will let you know um, in the circles I roll in that like it is. Um, but I just hesitate to mention it in meetings because I just I don't want to plant that seed for anybody, dude. Anybody. Um, I don't want to give anybody a window that there's this legal thing that is like an opiate that they could go by. I just, it doesn't sit right with me. Um, so I don't mention it. Um, and I definitely, I definitely think more so than people co-signing it, like sponsors co-signing it and stuff. It's more just ignorance if it's happening. They just don't know. Again, they might Google it and they're like, oh, it's this legal thing that's like matcha tea it's, or coffee. It's like, nah, dude, you're good. And that's another reason I want to like try to, you know, just get the word out. Because um, people will, when I tell people that I, I only use Kratom, they'll be like, really? Does that stuff even do anything? And it's like, just pretend like the answer is no for your own sanity and don't ever think about it again because, yeah, it yeah. does something to you. In interacting with the quitting Kratom community, have you interacted with seen many people that just got hooked on Kratom alone and didn't have a history of other substance abuses? 
100% I've encountered people that only have experience with that. And that's kind of been one of the reasons I've tried to stay plugged in because I feel like they don't have any resources for knowing what options are available um, to help them. Um, but yeah, I have one close friend in particular, obviously I'm not going to name drop anybody that um, just got sucked in and has no previous, you know, no drinking, no nothing, just no idea, you know, a grown up and just, and it's just in it, man. And the dish in the, in the washing machine, like welcome to the party. And, and those people, I don't put the addict label on anybody. You know what I mean? That's for ourselves to decide. So I don't yeah. even know, but I know that they're dependent and they're struggling. And that, and that they have yeah. no idea what they signed up for. And that's, that to me is going to be the game over the next 10 or 15 years. They don't, I don't feel like they know anyone that, that's, that knows where the, where the solution is. I just don't feel like they have yeah. the access that street drug users have. I just don't think they have it. I don't think they have it. When I was out there using street drugs, I always knew that one guy that got clean. I always knew like somebody yeah. would call and be like, Hey dude, this sucks. How'd you do it? Like, I don't think they have anyone like that. And that, you know, yeah. that makes me sad. I mean, it's like Google, you know, is the only resource. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's it. Kratom in the headlines. Here's a local news piece from Jackson, Mississippi. It's entitled my gas station, my drug dealer for some Kratom was a miracle drug, helping them escape their addiction. For others, Kratom became their addiction. The story follows Amy. To quote the piece, it took her one week to become a full-blown Kratom addict, Amy says, this time replacing pain medication for the Asian plant. If I could go 24 hours without taking Kratom, I felt like I had accomplished something. Her addiction has now lasted eight years. In the beginning, she was taking Kratom pills, then that evolved to Kratom shots, or K-shots, tiny bottles of Kratom extract that bear a striking resemblance to energy shots. And that's the end of quoting the piece. I have a strong solidarity for anybody who gets hooked on those OPMS black shots. The 7-AOH is the most potent alkaloid, and the extracts work to concentrate that. We can quibble with the title, My Gas Station, My Drug dealer. It is kind of borderline drug war, sensationalism. Local news often leads with what bleeds. But on the other hand, just as it is wrong to demonize Kratom, there's a lot of reverence and putting Kratom on a pedestal, which is just as irrational, mind-numbingly dumb to valorize this substance as well. Resource of the week. Today I have a new support group online that, to share with you. It's called Let's Talk Kratom. It's hosted by Mountainside Treatment Center. It is free, but you must pre-register. It's on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. I will put the link in the show notes so you can find out more information about it. I've not attended yet, but I do know the person that's leading it and has had conversations with her over the last couple of months. And I think very highly of her and I'm sure the group is great. 
If you want to get in touch with us, please send us an email at kratomsobriety at gmail.com. You can find us on all the social media platforms. And until next week, keep it Kratom free.